Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. As usual, this is your host, Hewitt Tomlin, one of the co-founders here at Team Builder. So before I get into introducing the guest of this episode, um, we have some really exciting stuff coming up at Team Builder. So if you are a customer, um, we are redoing our entire communication system. So we found out that people like to message on Team Builder, and more specifically, people love our push notifications. So we got together and we said, hey, what if we let coaches schedule out a push notification? So if it's 10 o'clock at night and you wanted a push notification to go out at 6 a.m. saying, hey, don't forget to bring your tennis shoes because we'll be practicing in the gym or you know, don't forget this, whatever. Um, you're gonna do that pretty soon. So that's a little sneak peek of our newest feature release that's coming out any day now. So my guest today is Craig Hoffman. Craig is like me, a DC guy. And uh, the funny thing about Craig is that he is like a media guy. He was a beat uh, reporter for the Washington Redskins. I actually used to see him on TV after Redskins games uh, doing the breakdown, which is so cool. And then through a mutual friend named Michael Cummings, who I really should do a podcast with at some point as well, um, I found out that Craig is actually a performance coach. And when I talk to Craig on this episode, you'll find out that like he thinks of himself as a performance coach, a strength and conditioning coach first. And then like his media thing is obviously his main career, but he loves strength and conditioning. So we had a great time. And of course, you know, him being a Redskins insider, I really got into some NFL talk. I'm sorry for those folks who don't follow NFL. I personally love it. And since I had a, you know, a beat reporter on, I wanted to kind of take advantage of that. Um, so we talked a little bit NFL. And then of course, um, you know, we got into some other topics and, you know, just to kind of give you a disclaimer, things got pretty political in the conversation. I know this is a team builder podcast. It's a strength and conditioning podcast. We talk a lot about that stuff, but at the same time, strength coaches, you know, have other sides to them. And if they're passionate about something like Craig is, um, you know, I'm not going to shut that down. We're going to talk about it a little bit. So just asking everyone, keep an open mind, you know, maybe skip through the part or listen through it. But, you know, that's part of the conversation. And that's kind of how I want to run the show is let people do what they want to do as far as speaking their mind. I'm not going to censor anyone on here. Um, but anyway, it ended up being a really cool conversation. We got into a bunch of different topics. And um, yeah, with no further ado, here's Craig Hoffman with Explosive Sports Performance. Done one or, the, one or two of these before. You've done. Yeah, man. Well, welcome, Craig. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Glad to be on. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. You know, this is a, I guess, a performance podcast, if you will, but you're an interesting guy because you're a man of many trades. I have done a lot of different things, which always is kind of a fun conversation with people where I start, if I've known them for a little bit, but maybe they didn't know about one of the things I did and I start telling a story and they're like, wait, hold on, back up a second. Because I, I, have, I have my hands in, in many different pots, you could say. Because I, I know my strength coaches or performance coaches, whatever they want to be called. I know that they have hobbies like woodworking in the garage or, you know, maybe they're like a Comic-Con fan. I don't, but you're like, you have like these professions as these different things that you do. Yeah. Strength coach would be the technically the side hustle. Um, although it's the thing I think about probably more than anything else. Don't tell my, my boss is that, uh, but yeah, but my career is in media and I have, which, which also makes for an interesting crossover because it's in sports media. And so I covered uh, the NBA and the NFL. And then specifically once I moved to DC in 2015, really honed in on the NFL uh, and was a beat reporter and, and on the ground with the team uh, as much as one can be. Uh, and then I have now moved as of February of this year into professional soccer on the women's side of things with the Washington spirit of the NWSL. Um, so getting to see from the inside, what that looks like is always interesting. And I'm always interested in the the performance side of it. So, you know, one of the people that I talk to, uh, you know, when I'm around the team is Michael Minthorn. I always try to take time to pick his brain on why he does stuff. And I have to, I have to be careful and pick my spots and try to do it you know, away yeah. from the players and whatever. But, um, you know, Chad Englehart's a guy that I consider a friend now who's the, the Washington football strength coach. And I always try to get to know those guys. And, you know, especially with Chad, it was like, I'm not trying to pick your brain as a reporter. I'm picking your brain as a strength coach because you are awesome at what you do. And I want to know more. Did you're, you're answering all my questions because I was going to be <laughs> like, when when you were on your NFL beat, did you ever yeah. just slip into the weight room and you were like, Coach Englehart, let's talk some shop. I did. I did. Um, and I remember one time in particular, I 
got in trouble basically for it. Like I just walked into the strength room. And one of the PR interns was like, you can't go there. I was like, he just told me to. Um, so, so I was like, you're an intern, get out of my way. I'm going to talk to my friend, uh, which went over great, uh, with, with the PR staff in, in there who was generally, uh, was very good to deal with. I feel like I should add that, but yeah. Um, Chad was a guy I sought out. Um, for sure. He, Chad is one of the funniest people that I have ever met, uh, because he is so incredibly smart, but also a full on strength coach, bro. So be like, bro, I went to this cadaver lab and you gotta, you, you don't, bro, you just don't understand. Like we cut this lady open and then like we move her big toe and then you see her anterior tibialis move. And you're like, this does not make sense. It does not make sense that this is a human being that exists on planet earth with, uh, this level of just meatheaded. Cause he's a short stocky, like classic football looking yeah. strength coach, but his knowledge is just out of control. And he would show me all these different things that they were using and, um, all these different technologies that I just, as a strength coach who works in a gym and, um, you know, has worked with some pretty high level athletes, including some professionals, but it's totally different when you're in the NFL and you have those kinds of resources and, um, Chad was, Chad was a great one. And Michael has come through the Exos program. So he's another one. Um, but, and then, you know, my partner on my training podcast, Chris Gores knows a bunch of people. Chris himself is genius level. Um, but then he knows a bunch of these people from Dennis Logan to whoever else in, in the professional world. And so getting the chance to pick the brains of those guys on the podcasts, uh, over the years has been informative, but specific to Chad in the NFL, absolutely tried to go in the weight room as often as possible while being respectful of the fact that I still was a reporter, being respectful of myself that I had a job to do. Um, but also being respectful of him and the boundaries that needed to be established because of my role in his. Do you ever meet his twin? You know, Chad has a twin. Uh, I have not met his twin. I have heard that, that a twin exists, though. I'm guessing yeah, he, it looks just like Chad. He also is a strength coach. They are twins That's, and they are strength coaches. With, with all due respect to Chad, who, again, is someone I consider a, a friend and, and at times has been a dear friend. Um, what else is someone who looks like Chad Englehart going to do? He is built for it. So if Chad's twin is, is another Chad, then he has to be a strength coach. He, there are rules in, in the universe, and these, this is just one of them. Have you ever met Deuce, Deuce Gruden? Uh, I was around Deuce. I covered the team while Deuce was was there, but I did not have any uh, conversations with him. I got to know Jake a little bit um, on the Washington staff and, and Kayvon. Th those are two good dudes. Um, but I didn't get to know real well. Jake, Jake had and I had more conversations, and um, he's someone I still actually need to reach out to because uh, he's such a nutrition guru as well. Um, but th they have a really good staff over there. Um, and there's a reason that when Ron Rivera came in as the head coach that most yeah. of the building got blown out and that those were the people that stayed. You know, Joe Ken, who was with the Panthers, he's a legendary strength coach in the NFL. And when I heard he wasn't carried over to the, you know, by the way, do you ever catch yourself saying the R word when we're referring to the Washington football team? It is I like the been, hardest thing for me. I have been very good since they officially changed the name because um, I'm very conscious of it. It's a thing I didn't like doing when I covered them, uh, but it was mm. the game of the team that I covered. So I felt like I kind of had to. Like, I have so much respect for Rhiannon Walker of The Athletic, who has never used it, um, even while covering yeah. them actively still. But I mean, obviously, that's easier now because it's not their name anymore. But yeah, I, I, there are times when I am telling stories. I'm like, this is so dumb that I don't, I, I just don't like the football team in Washington. So I've, what I've taken to calling them is the formerly racistly uh, nicknamed team in Washington. And then people know exactly who I'm talking about. At least you can say that now because you're, you're not on the beat anymore. Yeah. I mean, look, I could have said it. It probably wouldn't have gone over. Well, actually I take that back. I couldn't have said oh. that and, uh, and kept my job probably. At, at, yeah. uh, I don't think my boss would have been too thrilled with that because people, not that he's like, no, you're wrong. But like so many people uh, are so passionate about that that particular name and that would have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and uh, yeah. probably been uh, prohibitive of me doing my job in the way that he imagined it. I like Washington football team. I thought they would go with Washington football club because you know, football club is what we call right. our, our sports teams, but hey, whatever. I mean, if they keep this permanently, I'm all for it because really just give you, well, let me give you my opinion on NFL team names. They're mostly kind of stupid. All right. The, the Arizona Cardinals, or the St. Louis Cardinal, you know, and then what now they're in Arizona, but they kept the name. It's just a bird. There's no alliteration. I just think mascots, if you just, if you take a step back, you look at European football, these are old, old clubs. They represent regions or cities and they're called football club and they have their crest. But here we give them like an animal. Um, I, I just think about that, like in that context, I'm like, oh, it's kind of silly. Like we just pick a random animal for these teams. Right. So with that, 
the the soccer proper football um as i now work at a at a football club you know and our, our english coaches oh you want to go play some soccer um but you know you you get that that background and that context yes i've always thought about that and it's like well they it works for real madrid like they're worth six billion dollars and they don't have a mascot but i do also laugh when the washington football team is on fox and Fox is kind of clowning them with the graphics. And it's like Eagles football team. And you're like, okay, we need to, you could just put Washington. And if everyone agree, then you just do the city name. And, and I think everyone would be on the same page. But yeah. the, I think if, unless other teams are also pushing away their mascots, Washington needs to pick one because you can't be football team on the graphic. You're just getting clowned. And that's, that's no good. I know. I know. I know. Look, there's pros and cons, but I'll, <laughs> I will just go nuts if they just pick it, you know, Washington Warriors, and you're like, okay, I, I get the alliteration, but you know, Warriors. I mean, is this EA Sports? Are we building a team in, in dynasty mode on, you know, on the? Are we gonna be the Tiburon Sharks next? Yeah, I mean, it, it just it's just like we're picking random things. It's like let's let's bring it back to classic because I mean, look, the Washington is a storied historic football team. Mm-hmm. They've been bad for so long, people forget. But that team's won a lot of championships. They've been around a very long time. There's a lot of history there. I'm all for Washington FC. I think that would be cool. I think it would be like a different, like if you want to try to be a progressive new age, like you're trying to really turn the page, that would be a strong play. But you then have to, again, talk to the TV networks. I know a media guy on the TV networks, but like, you're going to put Washington or Washington FC. You're not putting football team. So as long as you can kind of figure that out and, and you know, your new abbreviation abbreviation, I also think WFC is a lot stronger than WFT because your, your mental uh, dyslexia automatically turns that into WTF and that's not good either. So like you, you need to get that straightened out. There are a couple of kinks in the process, but Washington FC, I could go with that. I, I'm in favor. Washington football team. No Washington football club. Let's party. Okay, let's let's agree there because that that I agree really strongly. I think that because when you give it a random mascot, Washington Warriors, Washington Red Tails, Washington Red Pandas, you're just throwing it in there with a bucket with all the other teams that have a, a city name and a mascot. Houston Texans, Seattle Kraken, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I will say the worst relocate. You mentioned the Arizona Cardinals. Nothing is worse than the Utah Jazz. <laughs> the people of Utah, it's a lovely area. But Utah yeah. and jazz go together like chocolate ice cream and onions. It and doesn't they, work. And they added some like ice graphics on the jazz. Like it's cool. It's cold. Jazz. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. Jazz. Right. Like your, your logo is mountains. I've been in new Orleans. There are no mountains. I tell you who, who got away the best with the team relocation in terms of mascot names, the LA Lakers. I mean, LA Lakers, it just rolls off your tongue. It does. You think about Shaq and Kobe. Even though it was named after Minneapolis in the land of 10,000 lakes, it still somehow works. They did, you're right, they did luck out. 10,000 lakes, middle, no, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then LA, Glitz and Glam, they just made it work and they turned into an international symbol. So good for them. Branding and marketing, it matters. It really does matter. Toto's winning. Um, and yeah, look, it's marketing. That's when, that, when it comes to NFL marketing, that is number one. Um, so let's talk about something not related to, to NFL marketing, humans, not hashtags. I saw this in your bio and doing some research. I remember, you know, you tweeting some stuff about this. Can you tell me a little bit about humans, comma, not hashtags? Yeah. Um, humans, not hashtags is a collective that I put together or was brought into really um, with a couple of friends of mine in the midst of the social unrest of the summer, specifically the the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And I've always been someone who has been interested in politics, especially since I moved to DC, which was 2015. It was something that as I came up here, I was getting more interested in, um, you know, what happened with on on just the social side of things with Trayvon Martin and Ferguson. I I was really, and I was coming of age as a human. I was 23, 24 years old as those things are happening um, and really tried to dive in and learn and talk to people and and have real frank conversations um, about what social justice and what justice really means in America. And so fast forward, I had been in DC a couple of years. I'd started to speak out a lot more, um, especially after I left the beat. Um, I was a little more free uh, to, to use the platform that I had built and, and speak about things that I thought were important. And that caught the eye of some friends uh, who 
we're having similar conversations. And um, it started with a, a guy who's now a really good friend. Uh, his name is Jason Vanderpool, who's a trainer here in DC, works for F45. And uh, my friend Gabby, who had oh, just Jason. moved to Chicago. Oh yeah, Jason's a great dude. And and Gabby Lubin, um, who had formerly was at Sweat DC uh, and, and Cycle Bar and had just moved to Chicago where she's starting uh, remotely her Harvard business, uh, like MBA, I think. And she's a lot smarter than me. Um, but Jason and Gabby were talking and they kind of were, they, they just were having these conversations and didn't know what to do with them. And I had just posted a video that um, had done a lot uh, of, or meant a lot to a lot of people called Dear White People on my Instagram and Twitter and everything. And was basically taking some of the things that I had learned over the last five years, now that a lot more people were paying attention to those same things and were starting um, in many ways that same journey uh, of learning about some of the history of racial injustice in America far beyond what we learn about in school. And so after Gabby watched that, she reached out to me uh, and another person was involved, Corey Gray, who's an amazing photographer and videographer. Um, and we just started talking and, and kind of wanted to do some storytelling and, and the idea to, to land the plane about humans, not hashtags is whether it's George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or whoever it could be next, that's a human being with a family and, and a story and potential, and they're a part of their community. And to just reduce them to a hashtag to go chant in the streets, a worthy thing to do in terms of the, the chanting in the streets and pushing for change is to miss why we're so upset in the first place. There's a loss of human life and that human life meant a lot to a lot of people. And so what we wanted to do to try to create and drive empathy was tell stories of, hey, this is someone you may know, but you don't know them in this context. And that, that was kind of how it got started. And then we, we took a couple of turns from there. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we could turn this back to sports, but I just want to make mention that, you know, I've kind of like come of age around this stuff as well, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it, it, like I'll use the term humanitarian conflict because that, that's kind of what's going on here. Um, it, it's pretty messy. I mean, the people who have the energy to, to go and, and practice activism, it's there's still a nuanced discussion to be had amongst that community. In addition to the, the even bigger discussion between the activist community and the other communities mm -hmm. that are, you know, not not so privy to to those uh, issues and conversations. Um, but yeah. in sports. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add one thing too. It just is a bigger thought in all of this, whether it's electoral politics, activism, whatever. None of these groups are a monolith either. Either what yeah. one activist wants is not what another activist wants. Um, but if you're trying to be activist, that on some level means you're you're prescribing to the the theory that collective action works. So you do have to, on some level, agree. And messaging and activism gets real messy. There's a, there's a lot there that is that is really interesting. And that's kind of why we started our group was to let people tell their own stories and and it, different stories would connect with different people. Yeah, and and it's and it's messy and it's nuanced because you look at humanitarian conflict, like the kinds that we learned about in school, and we're not immune to it. Whether it's the apartheid in South Africa or these other instances, I mean, it, it was messy. There was oftentimes conflict um, as part of the process, but that's how institutional change mm -hmm. takes place. You can tell there's a big appetite now more than ever for institutional change. Um, it's a good thing. So bringing it back to sports, I remember Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know, when he first started kneeling, that was very, very controversial. A lot of people were upset about it. It was just kind of a visceral, visceral reaction for the most part amongst sports fans. I'd probably say most sports fans. Um, it took me, you know, not very long, but some time to kind of learn about you know, what's well within someone's rights to protest. What does the national anthem even mean? Who's paying for the jets flying over the stadium? You know, there's, there's, there's some, some details here. Now it's much more acceptable to do what Colin was brave enough to do many, many years ago. Yeah. And that was, um, that was an interesting time for me personally, as a media person, um, covering that because I was in between being on the beat, like 2015 ESPN 980 hired me. I was on the beat. Um, and then 2017 is when the fan rehired me full time to be on the beach. So that 2016 season is when, when Kaepernick knelt. And so I was in uh, more of a talk show role and wound up talking about that a lot on the air and the vitriol people had, like at first, at first on a visceral level, if you don't think beyond what you were taught maybe as a kid, and I, like just for background as well, for, for your audience, like I grew up in the South. I, I grew up as a white man in Greenville, South Carolina. 
And so the things that I was surrounded by in the, the, the worldviews now Greenville is a much more progressive and my parents are from New York. So like I was exposed to a lot of different views, but that's kind of the point. I was exposed to a lot of different views. Um, and I was lucky enough, uh, to have a relatively diverse friend group, um, it, for various reasons from athletics to academics, just the, the people that I was around were not just like Southern white conservative people. Um, but I certainly was around many of them and, and the way they thought about the military specific to Kaepernick was something that was, in, uh, certainly a, a very, or something I was very aware of. So it was unsurprising to me. Um, and obviously racism in America is unsurprising in general, but it was unsurprising to me to see how people reacted. But I, I always found it interesting that you had a green beret telling him to kneel and, yeah, right. I was also. It was a compromise. It was a compromise. Yeah. It's exactly oh. the thing people call for. That's right. what Colin Neeling wants. But but it's not really what they want. They want control over a black body, and and it just it is what it is. Um, and I don't mince words when talking about these things intentionally because it's important to call it what it is. Because in America, it is more damaging to be called a racist than to be one. And that is a really problematic thing. Calling people out on racism creates more conflict than casual everyday racism existing. And just, it's up to the, the oppressed person to deal with it. And that's, that's messed up. And, that, and it's going to take, um, it's going to take people like us who recognize that and are in uh, positions of privilege to, to call that. And so that's what I tried to do when, when I was covering Kaepernick was to be like, look, this is, I understand why you feel that way, but this is what he's saying. Do you agree with this or not? And of course, some people immediately were like, no, I don't agree with that. The police are awesome. And I understand that as well, that, that people are going to be defensive of how they have lived their entire lives being told that the, this particular group, whether it be police that he was protesting uh, or military that they thought he was protesting are heroes. And when you force to re-examine those things, especially in adulthood, especially if you're older, like if you're a 50 year old or a 60 year old person, nevertheless, a, a white person who probably hasn't had a negative encounter with police. Like it's really hard to be told that not all those people that, that you told your kids to trust and that are heroes in your community. And even maybe some of your friends that aren't bad cops, that they are not maybe what you thought, or the institution is not what, what your experience is. And, and I think that's the hardest thing about race and, and cap opens so many eyes by doing exactly what he did and being willing to ruffle feathers and forcing conversations to happen is he was able to expose the fact that people have different experiences and that his experience and people of color's experience with police is different than yours or mine. And being forced to reconcile with that fact either can advance your understanding of the society in which you live. If you're someone like us who looks at that and listens and goes, okay, I understand now, how do we help make it better? Or can it just cause you to be extremely confrontational because you think your existence is the only one and that you are correct in your assessment. Yeah. You could think of like Muhammad Ali was so controversial. He was so disruptive, mm. but today, you know, he, He's an idol. He's like, you know, the breakouts. Um, the history, I think sometimes, oftentimes I like to think, well, you know, treat the disruptor well and put him in the right context in the end. I, did, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's not like Muhammad Ali is the second best example of that the best example of that to a point that it's actually problematic because his legacy has been whitewashed in many ways is Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, right before he was assassinated, had approval ratings, I believe in the twenties, like the March on Washington was well attended and applauded, but it was not popular in America. Like people hated that. People hated the things that he was trying to do um, and the things that he said and the things that he stood for. And now he's considered the gold standard of equality. Even if people don't actually listen to what he said, um, they, they listen to, they pick out the quote or two that makes them feel better. And it, is able to sleep at night. So I very much do think, and to a point it's already happening because you see how many athletes have knelt in 2020. Um, but I, I do think Colin Kaepernick will be looked back at as probably honestly an overly simplified, good, uh, 
good impact who lost his job. There's probably more nuance to some of the NFL stuff and, and how good was he and his career and all that kind of stuff. Um, there, there's probably some more nuance to some missteps he made along the way that he's admitted and apologized for the, the socks or whatever that just wound up detracting from his message in ways that he didn't intend to. But ultimately like Colin Kaepernick is one of the most principled people I have ever seen in pub in the public eye. And I respect the hell out of him for that because he has never once compromised about doing things his way because he thinks his way is, is the principled right way. So speaking of that and not to pivot too hard, but when we talked about, I haven't had like a genuine conversation about Colin Kaepernick as an athlete only in a long time. And I, I kind of want to just talk a few minutes about it because every time he's come up, it's kind of like his the athletic conversation has been like skewed or tainted by all the other stuff. And I feel like you're like you're well capable of like talking about mm -hmm. his athletic career outside of that. So first off, Alan Kaepernick went to the Super Bowl. That alone qualifies him to be like in the top five, maybe less percent of quarterbacks in terms of success to ever have played in the NFL. He went to the Super Bowl. Most quarterbacks don't do that. Okay, let's put him. And it there. wasn't like he was dragged there by, you know, it wasn't Trent Dilfer with the 2000 Ravens. Like he was an important part of, like he rushed for 180 yards in a playoff game that year against the Packers. He's, he's yeah. absolutely was a, a huge factor. He was unbelievable. So I know Jim Harbaugh was there. Jim Harbaugh sometimes clicks really well with the quarterbacks he coaches. Um, okay, so what happened there on? So it, just like any quarterback, right? No, no one quarterback fits into any system. Uh, different quarterbacks have their systems that create better outcomes for them. My guess is that Colin probably fit into a few systems that had to specifically work for him. And what from there? What where where did Colin kind of miss out on success later on? So I think there there's two huge factors in this. One is health. Um, he got hurt. And that last year that he was with Chip Kelly in San Francisco, the year that he knelt 2016 and was obviously on a team to get that attention and um, use that platform the way he did in, in a positive way, at least through our eyes. Um, he was not he was not fully healthy, but he got better as the year went. He, he got sharper and probably would have been better had he just continued just from, again, from a for pure football standpoint, probably would have been better um, in 2017 had he had another full off season to, to stay healthy and had those reps back under his belt. Um, and maybe some continuity uh, if, you know, obviously Chip Kelly got fired as well. So there goes that idea. But so, so from a performance standpoint, it made it easy for scouts to evaluate him and be like, man, he just wasn't that good anymore. And it's like, well, his shoulder was really messed up, which kind of affects you throwing the football. The other part of this, which isn't entirely just the athlete, but is, is very much within the athletic realm is like, how are you as a teammate? And for, there are people who swear by Colin Kaepernick, obviously Eric Reed, um, you know, swears by him and, and is incredibly tight with him and, and has been involved in a lot of the, what he has done off the field as well. And, and a lot of guys have stood with cap in that regard, but it, from a purely football standpoint, the word around the NFL from, from not just like, you're not, I never felt like I was told this in a way that I was being used as like, oh, well, guys just shut up around about cap, like trying to push a narrative. It was like genuinely like, yeah, he was kind of a pain in the butt you know, and I don't want that to like blow up in any kind of way, but like there are some people that didn't really get along with him as a teammate that didn't love the way he worked. Um, that didn't think X, Y, or Z about him. Um, and I never had a ton of conversations about that, but like you kind of just more heard. So I, I'm not directly quoting anybody I talked to, but just kind of a heard through the grapevine. Like that guy said, yada, 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 that he wasn't the easiest teammate. And as a quarterback and as a leader, that's a kind of important trait. So I do think that there's a little bit of that as well. Do I think the reason Colin Kaepernick didn't get a job was that nobody wanted to be the team that let him back on the field and wanted to take that hit from their fans. 100%, not 99%. Yeah. Not 99%. I saw so many quarterbacks yeah. play. What is it? 2017. It might've been 18. Remember they were calling quarterbacks off their couch to just complain. Yeah. The season. Oh, I mean, in Washington, you had the Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson and, and all those guys. Yeah. It's insane. There's been so many, I mean, look what happened in Denver. five picks yeah. and one half in Buffalo one time. 100%. Like Colin Kaepernick was better than all those dudes um, by possibly by a lot. Um, but at the same time, that made for an easier, convenient excuse and makes it harder to prove in a lawsuit when it's like your scouts are going, well, we don't really know. And this guy that used to be his teammate in San Francisco wasn't his biggest fan. Yeah. It was still, it's still refreshing to just have that conversation away from you know, look, I don't think it's like de facto. We have to talk about every athlete apart from what they do otherwise. But it's just nice to have that conversation that way because it's been a while for me.
Yeah. No, I, it's weird. It's been a while for me too, not being on, on the radio like I used to be. So that was fun. Good, retros- good retrospective, man. Yeah. I, I, when, when he was playing, when he was on that year, man, he was so much fun to watch. Incredible. Incredible physical talent. Um, one of the most skilled, like from a, you know, skill goes beyond power, but yeah. um, throw power and running speed. Yeah. From an athletic standpoint, one of the top one percent ever ever play, uh, especially on the speed part as a quarterback. But his arm strength was nuts too. He did, didn't have a great touch, but man, that dude could rip it. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite NFL players to watch today? I mean, Mahomes is obviously the start. Um, I was actually having this conversation with my girlfriend last night. She's like, "So who like?" who's best and and why? And I was like, it's Mahomes. It's not close. And that's with all due respect to Rogers, who I've loved watching for a decade. You know, I, I, yeah. I mean, I thoroughly enjoy watching a guy like Brady when he's on, or, you know, I Peyton Manning was the most fun to me in this, like the cerebral assassin type. Like I love those guys. Um, and, and that comes from covering the league. Just, I have a deeper understanding because I've gotten to talk to coaches. You know, one of the first coaches I covered was Sean McVay. Um, Kevin O'Connell was really formative for me in, in talking through I mean, Jay Gruden say what you want about him as a head coach, but the dude was an offensive genius and talking football with Jay. Like I learned a ton. Um, so I love those guys, but that's the thing that makes Mahomes so special is Mahomes breaks what's possible. You can design stuff with him because of his arm strength and the, the arm angles he can throw at that is just different. And then the stuff he can do that you could never design is just outrageous. The ability for him to get the ball out off platform. And he can also just like, if you were to say, we're not going to rush him, we're going to sit back and play coverage. He will pick you apart in a traditional pocket passing sense, as well as anyone who's ever done it. And to have the freelance skills of Russell Wilson, or, you know, the best to ever do that stuff, someone who can legitimately take off and run and to be able to pick someone apart mentally and no understand every coverage that you're throwing at him and just pick it apart. That's, that's as good as you can do it. And, you know, to be the best ever, he's got to sustain it over a longer period of time. But I tweeted this out yesterday. Like there, there are guys that have played the position at this level, maybe, but like no one's, no one's ever played it better. Cause you can't, like, it's just not physically possible. No one's ever had a tool set that's this sharp and this varied. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing to watch. So Mahomes, I think is the obvious one. I, I enjoy, uh, you know, as much as he, you want to talk about separating art from artists, like as much as, Tyreek Hill sucks off the field, like watching him on the field. I will admit it's pretty very fun on the field. Um, because again, he breaks the mold, like the angles that he is able to get uh, is just, it's wild to me. Um, I like watching good receivers, um, guys who can, who can dice you up on a route and understand leverage and things like that. Um, yeah. Same here. I'll go. Uh, I think, yeah. Tra- I think Tra- Trayvon Diggs is just hel- hilarious to watch. He's so good in every facet. Um, probably doesn't get as much prime time as he plays for the Vikings, but mm. Trayvon Dix, he's a top five in my book, a top five receiver just because his comprehensive game so good across the board. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is, is great, but that's the thing that he's underrated oh, a guy like yeah. a guy like Hopkins, right? Like everyone he's sees so the, the catches, you know, where he goes up with one hand and palms it or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you, you watch him run routes and you're like, Oh, that's why he's great. You know, Amari Cooper um, is, is an one with the Cowboys where you're just like that dude's route running ability is next level. Um, and so I really enjoy, you know, like a young guy, like Jerry Judy, who's out in Denver. Um, what a day they had yesterday, but um, you know, I'm excited to watch him develop because he was that way in college too, where you're just like this dude's route running ability is, is insane. And um, if you really understand the the nuances of it, it's, it's pretty fun to watch. The timestamp this episode for everyone listening. Um, the Broncos played yesterday. This is the game where all quarterbacks were out due to COVID and or COVID exposure, and um, they don't have a quarterback. So Denver comes out on the first drive and just uh, starts doing a wildcat. It was like a high school game where the coach was like, mix it up. We're running wildcat all game. <laughs> they didn't have a choice. Like it, that, yeah. that poor kid that they put out there, Kindle, whatever his name is, like he wasn't good enough to play quarterback for four years at Wake Forest. Yeah. No, he had to play receiver. They ain't going to cut it in the NFL. No, it, it was sad to watch. I was surprised uh, Denver got a field goal out of it. I, oh, no, I think it was off a turnover, but probably the most doomed NFL game I've ever seen. I mean, if you put the Chiefs against the Jets, this would have been a more doomed game than that yep. game which I think happened earlier this year and did not go well for the Jets as all Jets games have gone this year. 
This will be the last thing about NFL because I can talk about NFL forever, and I, we got to keep we got to vary it up. But I had this moment that just like reminded me why I love NFL so much. I love football, I love college football, but the Raiders were playing. It was uh, you know Henry Ruggs. He's a rookie. Just made like the most fantastic move on the sideline to make a guy miss. If you make a guy miss in the NFL, that's that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he takes two steps forward, he gets absolutely form tackled, like power driven to the ground. <laughs> I'm like, this is why I love the NFL. In one play, you get to see two awesome highlights, you know, all in the same sequence. And you have to kind of watch SEC or you know Power Five to to get a little bit more of that. So I'm an NFL guy. I just love good physical football. Yeah, I think it's a great point too. Then I'm, you know, it makes it more enjoyable for you that you can appreciate that. Like I get college sports in that people are super passionate about it, and that's mm-hmm. that's a different animal, right? That's that's purely an emotional play off of the viewer's emotions. But if you're talking about the skill level that is in the NFL, I mean, how many guys have been great at an SEC school and can't cut it in the league? These are the best of the best. And it's really hard. This is an extremely complicated game. Um, the the thinking that goes into it is outrageous. Um, you know, little angles here or there um, matter an immense amount. You're, you're two feet out. Of, I mean, Mahomes is the best example. Like if you're two feet left or right in your zone and you leave that window you're toast there. That ball is through where you would have deflected it. It's now in Tyree kills hand and he's taken off through your secondary. And if you as a linebacker had just been a foot to the left, then maybe you have a pick. And and it's, if you watch highlights on slow motion, you appreciate this a ton, especially on passing plays or on running plays, right on passing plays. You see just like by a, a centimeter, a ball gets over a D lineman's hand or an outstretched DB or linebacker. These, these windows are so small or on a running play. I remember so many times when I was watching tape, um, which I did every week, the all 22, when I was on the beat, you're going frame by frame through a running play. And you're like, Oh, that's going to pop. That's going to pop. That's going to pop. And then you're two frames later and the running backs finally the hole. And that thing is gone. Like you have the timing of a running play is, is a ballet. Um, a very violent ballet with men who would not look great in leotards, but a very I look good in leotards. <laughs> I mean, perhaps they would. Depends on what you like in a leotard. I shouldn't be so presumptuous. Uh, but you know, the 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 rhythmic nature of it and how everything has to hit at the exact same time is just wild. And so, um, it's done at the NFL at an extremely high level amongst legitimately the best athletes on the planet. Yeah, they look so. NFL plays the same size, same size field as a high school team, but you could argue that it's <laughs> orders of magnitude smaller as a field. Yep, definitely. Fast to move. Definitely. You, are, are you ever sympathetic to, to NFL players? Uh, just in terms of, it's a big sport in the U.S. The U.S. is a big country. There's a lot of pressure from coaches, from fans, just a lot of media attention. I mean, it's the most covered sport. I mean, I get like social anxiety kind of flustered when it's my birthday and a lot of people reach out to me. I'm like, this is too much attention. So like these guys on a week to week basis, like when Marshawn just doesn't want to talk to the media, when someone gets a little bit short or coaches in a bad mood, are, are you a little bit sympathetic? I mean, I know they should be professional. I know they should work with the media and, and, and work with the fans, but any sympathy at all? Yeah. I mean, if you just blew a game, like they only got 16 per year, right? They, they And you spent all week preparing for a game. And let's say right after the game, it's emotional. You're exhausted. Uh, you've just taken that physical beating and one play didn't go your way. And it happened to be at the end. And while the other hundred plays of the game could have also changed it. And just like I just said, the margins are so small. You never know uh, until you watch the tape. And even then, sometimes it's hard to tell like what near misses, how many near misses did you have? You're, you, your narrative wise, the goat on that day, um, and not the greatest of all time, the, you know, you're, you're getting blamed. And yeah, so sense of the barnyard. Yeah. And so if you, if we're going to come in there and ask you questions about it, it's probably not going to be your favorite time. And yeah, there's something to be said about, uh, being gracious in defeat and being, um, you know, a professional and, and all that kind of stuff. But on a human level, do I get it? Yeah, if you had a crappy day at work and I came to ask you about it, you probably wouldn't be psyched. So yeah. uh, if, if your crappy day at work also involved getting beat to hell and you know, you're know you hungry and exhausted after uh, three hours of physical exertion, then 
you probably wouldn't handle that great either. So I get it. Um, you know, there's a line, there's kind of an acceptable, like, eh, don't, don't want to talk about it versus like, Bill Belichick, Belichick treads a line every week. Bel- well, Belichick to me is like, he's gone overboard because he knows like he's been in this for too long to act like, like he does. I, I don't appreciate what Belichick does. I understand sometimes it's funny. Um, and, but he's so smart and I just wish we got more out of him. Um, That's true. Cause I think if you're a reporter, let's say you're on the path to be right. And you're, you're doing your job. You're researching, you're thinking about your questions, you're planning it out. And then you get to him and he's kind of just, he basically just kind of nods well, you I off. Just, I hate, I hate when coaches try to claim like competitive advantage as a reason to be a, to, to be unprofessional. Like you just, not everything is this. You're not protecting state secrets. Like it'll be fine. Just, Tell me, tell me if the guy's hurt or not. Um, yes. Like, you know, if he's truly up in the air, then just say he's up in the air. Um, don't, don't be terrible about it. Don't be unprofessional. Yeah. Don't be rude. It's, it's almost a little bit belittling in a way. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I'm there trying to earn my check and my check is a lot less than yours, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Look, good, good perspective. This is the, pers- this is from a media guy. We don't get this side. This is the side we need. That's good, man. Can we talk about our friend, Michael Cummings? Then we'll talk about online training and then we'll wrap up. Michael Cummings, how did you first, let me first introduce him for the audience. Michael Cummings, I I met him because he works for Jaku, the timing company. Um, And then I found out that Michael is a strength coach, is a practitioner, but he consults so many companies on product design because he's got this background. He has like multiple patents in his name for exercise equipment and design. So he's a really interesting guy to me. So how do you know Michael? I know Michael through Chris, uh, my podcast co-host on the Train with the Best podcast. And um, mm-hmm. Michael and Chris have gone back forever. Chris is consults with skills as well. And often, like if Michael can't make a presentation where Michael goes all around the world to teach, Michael sometimes will call Chris and be like, hey, we need to give this presentation in this city. Can you do it? Um, so they've been close for a long time. And Chris has a great relationship with skills. And so um, that's how we met. Michael, Michael is what... Uh, what uh, some people might call a mood contagion. Um, he is just, every time you see him, he's got a ton of energy. He's, he's always got a smile on his face. He's just this larger than life personality. Um, so he's, yeah, he's a, he's a good dude. He's been very good to me and, and um, is also just brilliantly smart. I took one of his seminars last year, maybe last year. What is a year anymore? Um, it feels like we've lived 150 in 2020. Um, I think it was last year um, in Richmond at Chris's facility and, and just learned a ton. Um, and at that point I was, multiple years into my train, train, training career. And, um, and it wasn't like I knew nothing. And I just learned so much from Michael and, and that presentation. So he's a, a good dude and um, a fun to be around. If, if you ever get a chance, I would recommend anybody listening. If you ever get a chance to learn from Michael to do it. He also looks like 10 or 15 years younger than he is. I was so blown away that when he told me first his age and then how many kids he had. So there's probably a lot to learn from him in terms of performance, but also maybe in aging. I think he's got aging secrets. Perhaps. Genetics certainly aren't hurting him. Um, neither is the sunshine that he lives in uh, out, out on the West Coast. Um, yeah. I do love to make fun of him and Chris, though, because Chris has got four, and then Michael's got five, I think, in, in the kids' yeah, department. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, what? Like I'm sure I'm I don't have any kids. Uh, I'm sure parenting is great, but that seems excessive. What are do we need that many running around? I, you don't see that these days anymore. I'm one of five, and I don't see a lot of five kid families. When I do, I'm like, that's brave. But I've, I've always thought my limit will be two when it, when we switch from. And I joke with Chris about this all the time. When you switch from man to zone, you're playing a different sport, and I'm not interested in playing zone. Yeah. You know, like back back when I was a kid, you know, my mom could make a big pot of oatmeal and that was a meal. I, I don't know. I think it was cheaper to have kids back then. These days, you don't get away with this much. You can't just feed your kid oatmeal seven days a week for breakfast. I guess you could, but if your neighbor finds out, they might have an issue with it. Also, there's a larger conversation we had. Houses are expensive. Yeah. Schools are expensive. Hospitals are expensive. Yeah, the price of putting five kids through college now is enough to make you never want to have a single one because college yeah, is ridiculous. That's right. Look, you don't see a lot. You don't see a lot. So, man, props to them. But that's why they were, that's why they fly around the world working so hard to giving seminars. Yep. He's got that's five true. kids. They might all be going to BYU and he doesn't know what to do about that. They got, they got mouths to feed. <laughs> 
Um, all right, the online training business. Well, first, I had a question. Um, you're a media guy, but you work at a training facility. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, if you're a media guy, you're a marketing guy, you probably drive around, you like look at signage at marketing and stuff. What do you think about your training facilities marketing? And, and how about training facilities in general? Are they good at marketing? Um, as, a, as a media perspective, do you have opinions about how training facilities could be better at marketing themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the facility. I think some, you know, I, I think the first rule of marketing in general is like you have to have a brand. Like you have to, and this goes for, you know, if I'm a radio personality and I'm selling myself, you have to know exactly what you're getting with me. Um, and, you know, you can pick your favorite radio. I don't know who your favorite radio host is, but I guarantee you they have a pretty distinct brand of like what it is, whether it's. Junkies. So if, yeah, my former colleagues, the junkies, right? If, it's, not, it's not, but we'll, it's not, let's, let, but they're a great example. Like they've been on the radio for 25 years and you might not love them, but like the people that love them, love them because they are authentically themselves. They feel like guys, guys, they feel like they like your neighbor um, because that's really kind of what they were. Like they're four they're guys that are from the area that grew up. And now like, look, they've made a lot of money and they're probably not your neighbor anymore, but they were at one point your neighbor. And, and for people that have listened to a long time um, that, that they've never really lost that. And if, even if they like, even on the radio, they have never lost that every man persona. So like that versus, you know, a luxury brand versus, you know, whatever it is in anything, you have to have your brand. And so like for Exos, their brand is like, we are knowledgeable and we are excellent. And they do a really good job of selling that. Um, They also, obviously their biggest business at this point is on the corporate side, but that's a a separate discussion. Yeah. I think of a lot of the the people that do combine training and the way they sell themselves. Like Matt uh, Gates down in Florida does a really good job. Like he's like, we are going to give you the fastest 40. And their marketing is showing people that have been there from Troy Apke to Terry McLaren to whoever that have run the fastest 40. Like we will get you the fastest 40 you can get. We have the fastest 40s every year. Then they have to make sure that comes true, right? They have to deliver on the promises, which on their side is probably also part recruiting. They better recruit fast guys. Otherwise they're never going to give themselves a shot. You can't out train uh, your talent. Um, but they do do a really terrific job and they showcase their speed element and they tell you exactly what they're going to do with you. They do it and they, they have the results. Um, for us, like, so I work for explosive performance, which is part of us fitness, uh, sport and health and, and one life fitness are the actual gyms here in, in the DC area. And I think Kevin Boyle does a really good job with ours. The way Kevin markets, um, is very relationship based. And I think that is another way to do it. Like we have a very, like we are high end, but we are also community. We go to soccer tournaments. We go to lacrosse tournaments and we are there. We have a presence. Um, We sponsor local teams. We make it feel like we're a part of the community. So it's like, Hey, we have the glitz and the glam and the fashion. And like, yes, we've trained pros. We have people that have worked with Washington football players or D one athletes, whatever. We have the knowledge of the big guys, but we're a part of your community. And, and I think that brand has done us well with explosive performance. And especially when you're having a program that is in multiple areas, right? Like the, the trainers in Bethesda are different than the trainers in Reston where I am versus Ashburn versus wherever. And so, you know, you want to be in your individual communities. And, and I think we've done a good job with that. So generally I think that, um, you know, you have to do a lot more than cool videos on Instagram, but depending on your audience, cool videos on Instagram can work. Like if you're trying to do athletic training and you're trying to attract high school athletes, they're going to be attracted to sweet videos on Instagram. You better have a dope video editor. Um, and I, and I know that probably drives some people nuts because they're like, Oh, I'm not trying to be an Instagram trainer. You don't, you have to be a trainer on Instagram. And there's a difference. If you're trying to recruit pros, you better have some knowledge. Um, and you probably want some testimonials from other people in the industry. Like you have to think about ultimately, And again, this is like rule number two of marketing. Rule number one is like, know your brand, know yourself. Rule number two is know your audience. So you you have to understand who you are trying to reach, what will cause them to have an emotional reaction to your product that makes them want to purchase it and and go from there. And that's going to be a little bit different for every facility. Tell me a little bit about your online training business. I guess this is your side hustle, as you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, I I mean, it was... Yeah, it was something I kind of wanted to do at the start of quarantine just because everyone's fitness routines got totally screwed up because every gym and you know closed. And it was a way for me to one, it forced my me to sit down and program for myself, which a lot of times I'm sure a lot of trainers are in the same boat. It's like, I'm gonna do this for me and then I'll see if anybody else wants it. And I was like, you know what? If I can do something that's accessible for people, um, that because I I 
I wanted to do something that didn't involve a bunch of equipment. Um, so I did something that was bands only. Um, and you know, all you needed was a little bit of space and, and and I did like a strength side and a running side. So like if, if you're a runner and you just want the running plan, you could get that. If you want just the strength stuff, cause you have another cardio program, you can get that or you can get the whole package. And how, how much, how much you saw the whole package was 40 and each one was 20. It was not done as a oh, money making oh, nice. venture because I really wanted it like that. This to me is the benefit of training being my side hustle. Um, even though I am someone who I think is a pretty good trainer. And I think, you know, other people who are respected in the industry would tell you that, but like, he's not a media guy who trains. He's a really good trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should always value yourself, but it's not what pays my bills. And so I have the luxury of trying to be more accessible to people. And yeah. so for specifically this online thing, knowing that, people's mental health is dependent on their physical health and and all the things that we know about what was happening as we were getting locked inside our houses and we were all going stir crazy. I just wanted people to have something to do. And so that's yeah. the way I did it. Um, now I probably would have been better ahead of a had team builder. Um, and I would love to learn more about, about that. Um, but you know, what, what were you I, doing? Sell, are you selling PDFs? I just, yeah, I just did. I just did Google sheets. Um, because that's oh, how oh, typically oh. I programmed is I just did, you know, yeah. spreadsheets. Um, and it's easy and it's clean to read, but you know, it, it, there, there are limitations there, but yeah, the, I mean, the, the short version of it is I wanted something that was accessible. I was never going to make price an issue. If you, if for some reason, look, you lost your job and like 40 bucks is too much, then like just send me an email. I'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll give it to you for a dollar. Um, if, if you really are in dire straits, respect, respect the fact that I'm a professional, but yeah. also I respect the fact that you're a human being who putting food in your mouth and keeping a roof over your head is really important, but so is health and fitness and, and fitness is a part of health. And so that's really what the genesis of it was. And, um, I, I, you know, I'm heavily considering doing another round of programming, uh, now that it looks like a lot of stuff is either already being shut down or is, is on the verge of shutting down again. Yeah. Um, are you accessible? If someone buys this for 40 bucks, do you talk to them about, you know, so the, that, that was kind of my caveat is, is the 40 bucks gets you the programming. Um, if you would like me to consult you, like I'm available for consultation at a different price point, and that's going to be closer to what it would cost to actually train with me in person. But I, I was very clear in the programming itself. There's a whole intro page and it's like, you are, you are getting programming. This is very well thought out. This is intentional there. You know, there's science behind this, all that it works up progressive overload. Like this is, this is something that's different than you're going to get on your, your, your hit workout of the day on Instagram. Mm-hmm. However, you are not paying for my eyes and ears. So if you have a quick question, I'm happy to answer it via email. Uh, if you're trying to get me train you, then that's a separate email and we can go from there. Hey, your daily hit session on Instagram. Give this a try. Three rounds get it abs. <laughs> Four rounds, 15 air clocks. Post your time in the comments. <laughs> Get out of oh god, that stuff drives me. Love it. Love it. It's so funny. It's so funny. But you know what? Some of those people, you know, they they're gonna keep learning and maybe they're gonna evolve and be legit, you know, impactful trainers. You never know. Yeah, and look, I mean, if you're putting I think that was kind of a, a critical time for people is to figure out, okay, how do I do this online? Can I create something? But what I would challenge people to do and what I challenge myself to do and why I would consider what I put out there different, you know, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be so, so self-congratulatory and like, Oh, mine's better than everyone else's because it's not. Um, but what, what made mine distinctly different and I think better than a lot of other people is I found a way using isometrics and time under tension and, and eccentrics that were thought out in terms of the actual timing, which came from a knowledge base of understanding how that stuff works with weights to allow people to strength train without weights. And that's a really important thing. Like, you know, whether you're someone like me who's trying to keep on some level of size or just, you know, you're, uh, you're not really concerned about your muscle mass, but you know, you want to keep your strength. Like you need to understand how to do this stuff without just picking up a heavier weight. Like what does progressive overload mean without load? Mm-hmm. Like, can you actually program to that as a trainer and offer that to people? And I think I found ways to do that using bands or time under tension or, you know, ISOs and, and different things that, still the programming still looked like what I would do with weights. I just did it without weights. Yeah. That's cool. That's good, man. I mean, I bet I'm, I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed it. They needed that. There's a lot of at home stuff that just people need. This is just me, but I love the principle of progressive overload. I like strength training and I'm sure there are other people who like that too, but needed creative ways of doing it. 
Yeah. So. And I took the same principles too to, to cardio. It's like, okay, well, you're probably going to, and I remember, um, Joe Holder uh, talking about this on a podcast, even last year, like, you know, economists are predicting a recession is coming. You can make yourself a lot of money as a trainer by teaching people how to run and like be prepared how to do that. So that was one of the things I did as well was like, okay, what's the easiest thing anybody can do that wants to get in shape run, but you get really bored just going for runs. Like, give yourself the most, again, in terms of cardio for gen pop, progressive overload, probably the most underutilized principle when it comes to cardio and gen pop. I mean, th that's something that you could, it turns into shorter sessions and, and then over time it becomes longer, more intensive, but like th that's way more fun than asking people to do mixed cardio three times a week, 30 minutes. So that was like the, the American heart association thing it was like three times a week, 30 minutes cardio and that's heart healthy. Um, right. But like, what does that mean? And yeah, exactly. if you do that, you're probably going to be okay. But is, does that mean going for three 30 minute runs or is it doing a long run and interval set in a sprint workout? Cause those are yeah. three very different kinds of cardio. And that's why, why I programmed it the way I did was I had literally those three things was like, I would like to, you to challenge yourself on a timed run, not for distance, see how far you can get in 20 minutes. And then the next minute, the next week it's like 25 or, and I did like a whole mathematical formula to make it work. But I also did, you know, an interval where it's like 30, 60, 60, 30. Now I'm just giving away my programming on your podcast. Uh, but, you know, you do that and it's like, how far did you run in the intervals? And then sprint workout where you add a block or you add, you know, you shorten the rest time. You know, there, there are different things that you can do to affect the intensity of a cardio workout to work a different energy system to again, like you said, progressively overload on cardio that is far beyond like, oh man, my gym closed. I'm just going to start running. Like, what does that mean to you? And if it just means going for a, a two mile run three times a week, you're going to get bored of that really fast. And by the way, it's not the most effective thing you can do for pretty much any goal, unless your goal is to just get really good at running two miles. Um, Jesse Etzler, do you know that name? Do you remember this book, Training with a Seal? Mm. I mean, I've heard it. of the book, but I have not. I have not. Uh, you definitely it. heard of it because, like, it was a big thing when it came out a couple of years ago. Anyway, Jesse Itzler, he, he's like a guy who does these crazy challenges and then writes mm -hmm. books about him. I made a lot of money doing it. In fact, yeah. I know he did. I, I, I'm familiar with him. Yeah. Okay. Um, and running with a seal, he has this line, and we'll finish on this, where he talks about how one of his fitness mentors told him, you can be um, you can be fit, but not healthy, but you can't be healthy without being fit. And you might've heard a variation of that somewhere at some point, but it made me really think about it and how important fitness is because health is the ultimate goal. I mean, fitness is fun. It's great. And a lot of people like it more than being healthy. And if you're being fit, you probably convolute that with being healthy, but it's not the full picture. So I'm just ending it as an open-ended question. What do you think about that? No, I think it's great. And we could probably, if we wanted to spend another hour, like dissecting it, um, because you also then get into the relationship between like food and fitness, which is a huge, huge topic that again, you can spend hours and people have written dozens and dozens and thousands of tens of thousands of books on. Um, and I think that becomes a really important factor in, in health is your relationship with food and not tying it to your fitness. Um, you know, are you beating yourself up? My friend, Lauren Cancy always is like, if you if you think that you need to go do two berries boot camps so that you can have that piece of pie, you've, you're wrong. Like you're that's not how any of this works. Um, and so you have that. You have you know the impact that you put on your joints. You have proper rest. You know one of the things that we say all the time on our podcast is working out doesn't make you strong. Working out makes you weak. Recovery makes you strong. Recovery makes you strong. Right. You're you're literally if you're weightlifting, you're tearing your muscles. You have to give them time to repair. And so when you get into to the fitness versus health and like how those two tie together, it, it becomes a lot about the the next level of training. Anybody can put together a workout that makes someone sweat. Anybody that can, can put together a workout that makes it feel like their muscles exploded and and you know they're sore for three days. That's cheap. Like that's that's easy training. I can I can do that with my eyes closed. But can you put together a long-term program that helps the client reach their goals in a safe and effective manner? That's the question. That's when you become a really good trainer. And that is when you make someone fit. And that fitness then leads to them being healthy as opposed to being fit and unhealthy, where you've actually done damage that is basically your client is a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. Yeah.
Good. This is a good lightning round answer right there. I've, t- I've talked a time or two into a microphone. You could say that for sure. <laughs> how, how am I as a host? I'm new to this whole thing. So I'm trying to. Great. No, this was fun. It was yeah. super conversational. I enjoyed it. Um, this was, it's different. Like, I think sometimes uh, media types can get a little hoity toity about, oh, you didn't ask a question, but like, you don't have to. You prompt someone, you have a conversation, and people enjoy listening to it. I kind of deviated from our agenda. I was, I was kind of glancing at it and I was like, oh, screw it. We're talking about the <laughs> NFL. I like the NFL. We're going to keep talking about that. Um, I know that uh, Craig was a consummate professional on this episode because at one point uh, my dog was going after some people back here in this office. <laughs> and I, I had to go and, and wrangle her. But I was telling, I was motioning to Craig, keep going, keep going with the answer. And guess what? He didn't miss a beat. And I was like, man, what a professional. And most people would have been like, hey, are you okay, man? That's, uh, going with it. that's uh, you gave me the, the keep going and I, I've gotten that from producers before. It's like, you know, they're trying to load the commercials and like something's gone wrong in the control room. They're just like, bam, keep talking. And you're like, Oh God, how much longer is yeah. this? How much longer is this segment going to be? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it worked out. If you can find where I did that in the podcast, bonus points for you. Yeah. Bonus points. I'll, I'll point it He's out. Greg. Um, okay. So t- t- uh, why don't you plug your uh, performance podcast for me real quick? Yeah. Train with the best podcast is available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Uh, also in those places you can get catch the spirit, which is the podcast I do with the Washington spirit. Uh, and we're doing a bunch of stuff on our YouTube page. We'd love people to check that out. Uh, and chasing interesting. If, if you liked the, the Colin Kaepernick part of the podcast and are more interested in the political side of things, um, that is where I'm doing more of that stuff. So chasing interesting, catch the spirit and train with the best. Damn, that is just the most efficient plug I've ever heard. My goodness, I've got some work to do, man. You've inspired me to better to be a better, a better, you know, progressive podcast overload. Let's go. That's progressive podcast. That's right, man. This is great. Frank, thanks for joining us. The audience is going to love this. This is a great new, diverse guest to have. So thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, man. Enjoyed it. You too. See you, bud. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you would like us to discuss on our format, go ahead and reach out to me. My email is hewitt at teambuilder.com. Thanks again for listening.